How you doing, folks? Welcome to Gospel of Kennison, episode 81. I'm your host. My name is James Kennison, and this is my audio journal. Thank you for listening, and thank you for being here. Today, we're going to do something unique. I'm going to answer one question that I found online, and that question is, what is the best thing about living in your city? Now, if you don't know, I live in St. Louis. St. Louis is the gateway to the West. St. Louis has the arch. St. Louis has toasted raviolis, Pappy's Barbecue, the Mississippi River. Did I mention the arch? Because we have an arch. It's like in Avengers when they say, We have a Hulk. We're St. Louis. We have an arch. Um, We also have maybe the highest murder rate in America, but we won't talk about that. We have the arch. An arch that I wish I could take two ropes. They would have to be, what, 100, 200, 300, 400 feet tall I would tie them at the very top of the arch, about two foot across. They would hang straight down and then they would uh, attach to a board about three feet off the ground. And I would have the world's giantest swing and I would be able to pump and see how far I could go on either side in either direction until the wind shears just shoved me right into one of the walls of the arch and the murder rate would go up, except the murder would be the arch. But the question is, what is the best thing about living in your city? And a lot of people would say, we have a lot of restaurants. We have a lot of interesting people. We have a lot of bars. We have a lot of city folks. We have a lot of liberalism. We have great architecture. Everything's made out of red brick. People might say we have some of the most beautiful churches. Other folks might point out, hey, we're over 250 years old. We're older than the country. Some folks might say, James lives there. Yay! We also have Six Flags, which is pretty cool. But the question is, what do I think is the best thing about living in the city? And that got me thinking. Got me thinking about serious stuff. I mean, sure, there's Ted Drew's frozen custard, the best thing in the world, and possibly the best thing about living in my city. (laughs) Let's get serious for a minute and talk about what makes... Living here in St. Louis, the greatest thing in the world right now, in my life, in this season, in this part of my existence. The first thing is family. I don't have any family family that live here, not people I'm related to anyway, but I have a family all the same. People that I am surrounded by who love me and accept me and accept my family. We had been here maybe two weeks And my birthday rolled around and I was given a Cardinal's hat and a t-shirt by two of the ladies that I was the most scared of in our group. I'll tell you why I was scared. They look tough. These were some strong black women. And I was just respectful enough to be afraid because the default look on their faces most of the time was a look of, I could take you or leave you. And so I was always eager to impress. But on my birthday, I was given by these ladies a Cardinals hat and a t-shirt. That was also the exact same day I became a fan of wearing sports clothing. Until that point, I had never, I'd never worn anything that was sports related except for t-ball when I was like eight years old. Now, I love me a St. Louis 
Cardinals ball cap. These people love us and me, my family, no matter what. I recently missed the funeral of a kid in our group who battled cancer for over two years with no lashback. Nobody's offended. Nobody's upset. It didn't cause a ruckus. The entire church group didn't rise up and split in half for and against. Where did he go instead of doing this? Well, I had to go to Florida. I had to pick up a puppy. I had to go to a one-year-old niece's birthday. We had plane tickets. It wasn't possible for us to change things. No lashback. I think it's because they know that I've been there before. I've been there with them through the struggle. Not as much as I would have liked. How much can you actually do for folks when they're in so much suffering other than pray and just be there? We do have their children over to the house quite a bit. Stuff like that. It's a family thing, so there's no scorekeeping. But they know that we've been there before and we'll be there once everyone else has gone home. I'm hoping that's what's going on. That's what I'm counting on. I I actually probably should call and check to make sure there's no issues. I I've just been like assuming they, they may be planning my funeral right now. I will, I will check. We'll check. It's interesting because there's two kinds of people in my church group. Those that knew me before depression and those that have only known me since the worst of it has been over. I like that I have folks that knew me before, that knew me when I had a job, when I was bringing in money to the house, when I had a calling, when I was a children's pastor, when I was the children's pastor of a church of over 5,000 people. I was the man. I was awesome. I didn't know it at the time, but now I can say that because it's in the past, right? But these folks know what I was and they still accept me even though I'm not that anymore. And then we've got the group that only known me since then. And they don't know my potential. They don't know what I'm capable of. Heck, I don't even know anymore, but they still like me as I am and accept me as I am and think I'm awesome as I am, which blows my mind. These are also people who will give you a secret bird finger if you make some sort of joke at their expense. They'll just slip it in. You know, you make a comment about somebody's face having a few more lines than it did 20 years ago. And up comes that coffee cup and that middle finger's just poking out just a little bit more than the other two. Nobody else has to know, right? My other favorite thing about living in this city is leadership. I have someone to look up to. His name is David Godbout. I've been looking up to this particular character for 20 plus years. He is someone that I get to serve, someone that I try to imitate. I remember when I first met him, he was the first man that I ever ran into that was a pastor. He was consistent no matter the location, whether it was behind the pulpit, whether it was at his house, whether it was in a small group ministry, whether it was on a doorstep of a potential convert, whether it was in his home, surrounded by his family, he was consistent. You know how pastors, they have a pastor voice and they'll use it behind the pulpit. 
Well, bless God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then on the way out. Oh, hi, brother. Brother James, it's so nice to have had you to come out here today. Thank you. Thank you for being here. None of that. None of that. Just a real person displaying for me the first time I ever saw the lifestyle of a godly man being on display. And I thought way back then, well, I don't know if I can be like Jesus, but I bet I could be like David. The Bible even talks about that in a weird way. I actually found out uh, through a weird video. My friend Jewel posted it on Facebook. The video was of two tiny, two tiny hedgehogs floating in water. They quoted the scripture, 1 Corinthians 11, 1. You should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. And so there's the two little critters in the water and they're swimming and one of them is swimming properly. And that's supposed to be Paul because Paul's the one talking. And then there's the next little guy next to him and he's swimming. Like he doesn't know which direction the air is. Is it down there? Is it up there? Is it over there? He's doing kind of flips and cartwheels. And that's the way I feel trying to imitate my good friend and mentor David Godbout. So sometimes I wonder if I would be better off just skipping him and trying to be, <laughs> be like Jesus. And here's why the, the man gets up at 4 a.m. Every morning, works out, eats, showers, has prayer time, and does God knows what else before I'm even awake just long enough to drag myself to the truck, start it up and get my kids to school and back. Okay. That's my morning. He's Superman. I think it would be easier to imitate Jesus himself sometimes rather than this guy. It's kind of like that old movie Twins. It was made in 1988. It starred Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito. They were two twins that were apparently scientifically created. One of them was made to be a perfect man. And then the second baby, because of the twin thing, who was all of the bad stuff that got thrown in the other person. And that's the way I kind of see him and I, he is Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm Danny DeVito. He's all the good stuff. I'm all the crap, but we're twins. We work together and we make a good team somehow only in ministry though. I can't think of a sport, a single sport that I would improve the scoreboard of not even catch playing catch, would I be able to add anything to the team? But somehow or another, his perfection and my imperfections come together and we make a pretty good group, a pretty good team. So I'm glad I'm in St. Louis because of the leadership. And I think the friendship goes without saying. I have a lot of purpose here, something to do with my life Besides just taking kids to school, feeding dogs, cleaning house, making a podcast, growing older. I get to do things that in theory are for the kingdom of God. Uh, my purpose the other day was giving out free chicken at uh, the Melvin, which is the building that we're renovating and turning into a community center slash church. My specific micro purpose was listening to a lady who came up to me to complain about the free chicken and how 
she didn't like the way it was given to her. It's very hard to have a good attitude when you're listening to someone complain about free food. But I did very good. I didn't lose my cool. I was just like, oh, okay. That's nice. Apparently, she had gone through the line a second time and got called out. And she didn't like that. And she felt embarrassed. And she wanted to get somebody in trouble. And she assumed that I would do that. And I would take her side. It's not a restaurant. I'm not the manager. They're not employees. They're volunteers. It's free food. You didn't pay anything. You're not being grateful for the first helping. You want to get in line in front of people who haven't had anything. And then you want us to apologize when you get called out on it. Hand in hand with purpose, I would have to say possibilities. It's another thing I love about this place is there are a great amount of things that need changing in St. Louis. There's a ton of racial tension. People hate each other. And it's not just black and white. There's a general disregard of other people. A self-centeredness that I've never seen in any city. But I've heard even Chicago is not like St. Louis. If you can't look both ways before crossing the street, you believe the world revolves around you. And that happens all the time. It's like I'm expecting everyone else, no matter if you're in a dump truck going 90 miles an hour, I'm not looking because it's your job to focus on me and do what I need and meet my needs. We even line up at quick trip a certain way they redesigned the way the, the, the aisles were right after they opened a bunch of brand new ones, because there's an unsaid rule in St. Louis in the city that if there are three or four checkout places at the counter, you don't make four lines. You make one quick trip. Didn't set this up. St. Louis citizens set this up. And the reason we did it is because we wanted to make it home from Quick Trip alive. <laughs> if there were four lines and, and somebody could scoot around and get into the shortest one, there'd be a fight. And where there's a fight, there's probably going to be a gun. People know that they are so self-centered. <laughs> they have to be fair. Otherwise, they'll pitch a fit and there will be blood. You're at Quick Trip to get a slushy. You will fight to the death. For your right to pay for it at exactly the right and fair time. The possibilities is, is where the purpose is at. I feel like St. Louis, the best thing about it though, is that it's where God wants us to be. I know that can sound cliche. I don't really like St. Louis, <laughs> but I'm called here and I see all the problems and I have to live with them and it hurts my heart to see people act the way they do, to give hate when they've received hate. But I feel like we're on the threshold of what God wants to do with us. We've been here three and a half, almost four years, and I don't know, we've been building up for the purpose. It's like we're standing at the door. But first we had to build the door. And now there's a door, but the knob needs to be put on because there's no knob. And there's a line of people waiting outside who need to come in. And then, so it's kind of stressful, but eventually 
everything will be in place and we can open the door and start doing whatever it is we're supposed to do with this building. That's not just a metaphor. There are literally, there's a door at the Melvin, <laughs> two of them that need to be replaced. We just got the exit signs up, you know, the ones that glow in the dark. But there's a door that hangs by a hinge and when you open it, it falls on you. I don't know how it's kept anybody out, but we lock it all the same. I guess it just fools the people. I don't know. I haven't done a lot good in my life. I married well. I had some great kids. I've had a lot of, some people would call luck. Some people would say blessing. I've, I've known the right people at the right times and been in the right places, doing the right things in order to get myself opportunities like working for a mega church when I had never had a job in the ministry before. I've had things fall on my lap. But here in St. Louis, it's like the first place that I haven't been sure about what I'm supposed to do. But I've never been more sure that this is where I'm supposed to do it. It's kind of like my brand new puppy, Leia. We take her out back. We put her down in the grass at the same spot every time. And she doesn't know why. She doesn't know what she's supposed to do. But she knows this is where she's supposed to do it. Hopefully for her own sake, she will soon learn what that space is for. I do feel like we're on the threshold of what God is going to be doing through Novation Church. I do believe he set up this small group of people to help affect change in St. Louis. And I hope years from now, somebody will listen to this podcast and maybe be able to trace back and say, you know what? St. Louis is a better place. And I don't know if these fools did it, but maybe they had a hand in it because our mission, though we don't know what we're going to do, is going to be to share hope, a message of hope, that there is hope. I think that's why people are so angry and hateful and jealous. They don't feel like there's any hope. They see somebody else's life. They see somebody else's ride. They see their circumstance. They look at their own. It doesn't match up. It doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem right. And, and, and those are just the things that are subjective. There's also police stuff, and crime stuff, and racial stuff that is very real. People need to experience hope, that there is hope for things to be better. But day in, day out, from the moment they get up to the moment they go, go to bed, everything in their life seems to point them toward the reality that things are never going to change and they aren't unless Christ gets involved. And that's going to be our job to display Christ. I don't know how we're going to do it. I've said it. I don't have a clue, but I have a theory. I think it's going to be that we are a small community also known as a family, a family who accepts people, that lets people in, that loves people no matter what. 
I believe in the leadership that is made up of our group that I actually happen to be a part of, even though I'm the Danny DeVito, I believe that people will start to imitate the leadership as the leadership imitates Christ. I believe that purpose and possibilities, that's what hope is, is possibilities will be what people are drawn to. I believe all those things because I look around my world with my imagination and I see so much darkness here, so much anger and hatred. But when I realize that this is where God wants me to be, those become opportunities, possibilities, purpose, opportunities for hope, for love, for change. And I'm blessed to be considered in all my imperfections and all my shortcomings to even be able to be a part of such a thing. And we may fail. I may never do anything, (laughs) but I would rather fail doing this than succeed at doing nothing. I'd love to get your feedback on today's episode. Email me, james at nlcast.com. Call me, 2095NLCast. You can hit me up on Discord if you want to. Um, I don't know how you do that, but I'm on Discord. We have a Discord server. I think you can get to it through the Facebook page. You can get through the Facebook page, facebook.com slash groups slash NLCast. There's so many ways to connect. I have an Instagram slash NLCast. I have a Twitter slash NLCast. If you would like to support the show, we have folks that do, and I love them. I love all of you, but I love that they love me back. (laughs) If you want to become a supporter, a patron, you can go to patreon.com slash GOK for Gospel of Kennison. You can give a dollar, $2, $3, $4 a show, whatever it is. It would be much appreciated. 10% of everything you give goes directly into the ministry that I've been speaking about. The rest of it gets spent on video games and cables and batteries and microphones and all kinds of things that always seem to go wrong right before recording time. If you're a person who prays, please pray for me, my family, because St. Louis is a great place. But it has issues and problems, and it wears on me. It stresses me out. St. Louis has been a great place of purpose and acceptance, but it's also been a place of problems. Pray that possibly as we wait on the Lord, he will renew our strength. Like a cell phone, plugged in, chilling. But the bars are going up. The battery's getting full. Might get kicked around, stepped on, forgotten about, but he's waiting. He's charging up. Pray for the Melvin Theater Project, that the building will come together. Should be done by December. Pray for my leader and friend, David Godbout. Pray that God will continue to strengthen him because he is, he's, he's, 
He's the freaking energizer bunny. I don't know how he keeps it up. He, it must be people praying for him. It's the only thing I can figure. So join me, won't you? Hey, we're selling t-shirts over at nlcast.com slash shop. Go check out, see if there's anything you might want to purchase. It helps. And it's a great way for you to show off that you listen to some of the most mediocre programming known to man. I've always said we don't have the greatest shows, but we do have the greatest audience. So prove it. Go buy a shirt. It would be awesome. NLcast.com slash store. Surely there's something you can get for you, your wife, your kid. There's logo tees. There's inside joke tees. All kinds of good stuff. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you guys next week. Peace.